Hey, it's Jeremy Myers, and you're listening to the Redeeming God Podcast. So, this new format for my podcast comes in three parts, and this first part is talking about current events, and there's nothing more current about our events right now than talking about Impeachment 2.0. So, if you've been following along with current events and politics here in the United States, Donald J. Trump has been impeached a second time. (laughs) Um, I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's actually completely ridiculous. Um... But it's just like Donald Trump to be best at everything, right? (laughs) Uh, No president in history has ever been or probably ever will be impeached a second time. Uh, But I just find it sort of ironic because uh, Biden uh, came out after he finally was certified as the president-elect and makes, makes a call for unity. And then what is the first thing that the Democrats do is try to impeach Trump a second time, which, of course, is exactly the opposite of what you would try to do if you want to unify the country. So, um, but that's just sort of typical <clears throat> for our political climate right now. Uh, there are just two different countries, uh, and, and there's almost no common ground sometimes, it seems, between the two of them. Now, th- the reason they impeached Donald Trump the second time, supposedly, is because he called for violence with this this protest that was in Washington, D.C. last week on January 6th. And it's interesting, as more and more comes out about that protest, uh, they've even arrested a few people so far, and the people that they have arrested, turns out, were Antifa members who infiltrated the protest and engaged in the violence. So we'll see how that plays out. Furthermore, though, Donald Trump never did call for violence. I challenge you uh, to, to try to find anywhere that he called for violence to be engaged in at that protest. Uh, If he had called for violence, you know very well that the uh, media outlets such as CNN or MSNBC or whichever would have been playing his calls for violence on nonstop loop, but they don't. And why not? Because they can't. There were no calls for violence. And so again, this whole impeachment thing is just a complete sham. And on top of that, on top of that, uh, in this quest for unity, uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, they've all basically silenced, taken away Trump's uh, First Amendment right to free speech. And aside from that, he's still currently the sitting president of the United States. Just imagine U.S. companies taking away the free speech rights of the president of the United States. Again, for no reason whatsoever. These calls for violence, number one, didn't exist. And number two, they're applying this supposed role, the, suppo- the supposed we have to stop calls for violence, uh, they're not applying it equally to all because we have numerous recorded and written e- uh, words from many leaders uh, on, on the Democrat side over the last couple of years, especially this last year, where they have a point blank called for violence. And of course, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube is not trying to silence or censor them. And uh, even Twitter is still allowing various um, terrorist organization leaders from other countries, Iran and, and other places, to still be on their platform. So, so really, what it comes down to is they don't really care. It's not, it's not a big deal to them about calls for violence. Um, they just have a vendetta against Donald Trump and conservatives in this country. 
And so they want to do whatever they can to silence and censor them, which is really alarming because if you are a student of history, you know that whenever there are truly fascist governments or dictators or powers coming into their role, one of the very first things they do is try to silence all people who disagree with them and censor them. Uh, you, you go and look at Hitler in Nazi Germany. It is one of the very first things he did when he was coming into power. Censors, censorship of all people who disagreed with what he was doing and what he uh, had called the nation of Germany to do. So um, it's a very alarming thing. And I don't care if you like Donald Trump or don't like Donald Trump. Uh, this should be alarming to you that uh, there are companies and organizations and political leaders who are calling for censorship and for free speech of certain individuals and groups to be shut down. Uh, so whatever your political leanings are on this, I, I hope that you stand up and call out against censorship. Uh, everybody should have the right to free speech. It is a God-given right, and we're not just talking about here in the United States, but around the world. God has given us our our voices and our minds and our passions and our desires. And we're not always going to agree on everything, but we should be able to have dialogue and discussion. And people with different viewpoints and perspectives should be allowed to express those. All right? And, and so whatever your leanings are on this whole election and Trump and Biden, and maybe you just want to sit the whole thing out, uh, look, Regardless of your perspective or your, or, or your views, I hope that you can stand up for the rights of all people to speak freely based on what God has laid in their hearts or what they have, what views or perspectives they have on their, on their minds. All right? So that's just sort of my brief word about politics. Let's move into the mailbag. You've got mail. <laughs> I also had the second section of the, my podcast to just briefly talk about some emails I've been getting and respond or, or uh, answer those questions on the podcast. And I got a really nice email yesterday from Joanna Kielsen. She gave me permission to use her name. Maybe it's Kielsen. I'm not quite sure. But uh, here, it, it was a, a long, a very nice email that she wrote. And here's just a brief sort of paragraph or two from it. She says... Um, I've been on a journey of trying to follow God and figure things out for a long time. Much intense struggle with things like assurance of salvation, hell, fear, etc. I still struggle sometimes and have had multiple breakdowns the past year where I've been in so much emotional, spiritual, mental pain that I wanted to hurt myself. You know, I think a lot of people have been uh, in that situation this past year. Aside from everything that's going on in the country and in the world with COVID and politics and, and uh, businesses being shut down and all of that happening, uh, there are lots of Christians who struggle spiritually and emotionally because of what their church is teaching them. Uh, and, and so that sounds like Joanna is, is saying something similar, and, and uh, maybe you're struggling with something as well. Anyway, she goes on. She says, I don't know where all that comes from, whether it is attacks from the enemy or my past hurts with the brokenness and growing dysfunction of my family that I've been in the middle of for years. But anyways, God has brought me so far, and I'm so grateful. I never thought I would be able to be one of those people who experienced God and was a real Christian, even though I wanted it so desperately. 
I felt hopeless and like it was impossible for me. But I have experienced him, and he has taught me so much. It is quite amazingly real and beautiful. Maybe, again, you can relate a little bit. Uh, God brings hope where there is none, and it sounds like Joanna has experienced some of that. But here's what she says. Anyway, something has recently happened. I have come to a place in the last few years where I've realized I don't have to be a Calvinist, (laughs) Uh, although I was very devoted adherent to it for a long time. But then the other week in my devotions time, I came across that verse in Acts about those who were appointed to eternal life believing, and I felt so discouraged. Like everything I thought was just wishful, fleshly thinking, and there was no way I could get around the doctrine of election to eternal life. It got me in a low place, thinking that way about God is not encouraging, and I felt so confused. And so, thank God that I was able to tell him that and ask for him to please help me, to show me the truth. By the way, that is a great way to approach these issues. And we're going to be talking about that in here in a few minutes when we turn to the Bible passage we'll be discussing today. But if you ever feel struggling with ideas about God or how to understand a certain Bible verse, the very first thing you should do is turn to God, especially turn to Jesus. Remember Mary and Martha, one sat at the feet of Jesus to listen to him explain the scriptures to her. The other one was so busy with the cares of life. We'll be, again, talking about that here in a few minutes. But you can do the same thing. Go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm your disciple, I'm your follower, I'm your brother, your sister, and I don't understand this issue, this topic, this passage. Please help me understand it. And it may take, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, months, years even, but uh, you will come to understand that passage over time. Joanna says this, though, Almost as soon as I started looking, I found your article on that verse, and I was so encouraged and happy again. I felt so relieved and like, wow, this is amazing. And I was so thankful for the truth and that God answered my prayer. Now, she goes on in an email, and I won't read the rest, but if you're curious what verse she's talking about uh, or what I wrote about it, I will link to those uh, to that, that study she's talking about in the notes for this podcast episode. And um, there's a whole series of of posts I've written on Calvinism. If you don't know what Calvinism is, I'm not going to try to explain it now. Uh, But many years ago, it was about seven, eight years ago, I started writing a book which uh, explains Calvinism and also refutes it from Scripture. I got about two-fifths of the way through that book or so, maybe one quarter, something like that and uh, then went on to other writing projects, which I'm still consumed with. And I do hope to get back to that series and that book eventually, but we're probably looking at several more years at least. Anyway, what I have written is available online, and I'll link to that in the notes section, in, in the blog post section for this podcast episode as well. So anyway, thank you, Joanna, for the email. I will respond personally to you as well if you're listening to this. And... um I'm glad that you went to Jesus for help on that passage and these issues that you are finding hope and freedom uh, in in the truths that he is is teaching to you from Scripture. And I believe that uh, as you continue to follow Jesus, you will find ever-increasing experiences of him in life uh, and in your understanding of what he wants for you. So thank you so very much. 
Okay, let's get on to our Bible study section of the day. We're going to be looking briefly at one of the more famous parables of Jesus. Uh, It's found in a couple of places, for example, in Matthew chapter 13 and also in Luke chapter 8. It's the parable of the four soils. I'm choosing this parable because this week I have been uh, writing and studying for one of my Gospel Dictionary online course lessons, the lesson on the kingdom of God. So the Gospel Dictionary looks at 52 key words of the gospel. It's an online course right now, but it eventually will be multiple volumes that I publish, hopefully, probably three or four volumes at least. We're looking at close to a million words for that, that uh, the entire study. And I'm a little over halfway done with it now. I've been working on it for about three years, so hopefully I can finish that up in the next two to three years. Uh, but it's a huge, giant study, forms the basis and foundation for everything I have written, everything I will write in the future. And one of the key words I'm looking at in this Gospel Dictionary online course is the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. And one of the reasons I do this is because lots of people think when they read in the Bible about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom, they equate it to heaven, uh, heaven itself, going to heaven when you die. So when Jesus talks about entering the kingdom of heaven, or entering the kingdom of God, or um, inheriting the kingdom. Okay, lots of people, when they read those terms and read those phrases, they think, going to heaven when I die, receiving eternal life and going to heaven when I die. And the problem with that is that many of these passages and texts that talk about the kingdom of heaven, the condition for receiving the kingdom, entering the kingdom, inheriting the kingdom— The condition is good works, faithful living, obedience, something like that. And so it causes a lot of people to have a lot of stress in their lives and emotional problems, a lot like Joanna explained, because they think, oh, to go to heaven when I die, to receive eternal life, I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to be obedient, and I have to, great, and and the list goes on and on and on. And so I show in this Gospel Dictionary entry that the kingdom of heaven is not heaven. The kingdom of heaven, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, when, the, when other New Testament authors talk about the kingdom of God, or even just more generically, the kingdom, right, this is not the same thing as going to heaven when you die. Uh, it, it refers instead to the rule and reign of God on earth, here and now, in your life now. It's a discipleship term. And Jesus is uh, basically saying The way God rules and reigns in heaven, I am bringing that down here to earth. And that is what Jesus did through his life and ministry, his teachings, his miracles, and of course, absolutely through his death, burial, and resurrection. And then he passed on this mission to the church, basically said, the way you have seen me live and operate in the kingdom of God here on earth, I now want you to do as well, to live and operate uh, this way in Uh, your lives here on earth. Bring heaven down to earth, the kingdom of heaven down to the kingdom, down to this earth. All right? And uh, so so that's sort of a basic, real quick explanation of the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus tells a lot of parables. You know this in the Gospels, numerous parables. And one of, I would argue, maybe one of the key parables of Jesus is the parable of the four soils— found in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8. I do have a long study of Luke chapter 8 parable, Luke, the, the, the Luke's version, on my website. 
at redeeminggod.com. And I will also link to that in the notes section for this podcast on, on, on my website. So you can go read that if you'd like. Uh, you can also find it just going to my, my website, redeeminggod.com. Click scripture up top. That's where my scripture passages, my scripture studies are, are typically found. And then scroll down and find Luke, and then scroll down and find Luke 8. All right. So, um, or just do the search function down at the bottom to find a parable of the four soils, something like that. Okay. But let me say a few things about this parable. First of all, it's one of the few parables that Jesus actually explains, which is very helpful for us because it is also central and key to understanding all the other parables. Uh, Jesus tells all these parables, and in the Gospels, he only explains a few of them, which has caused no amount of frustration in the minds of many pastors and Christians and scholars and theologians, including myself, but we'll talk about that. There's a reason that the parables are frustrating. Thankfully, this is one Jesus explains, and I'm glad he does, because it is central to understanding all the other parables. And... uh, but what is interesting is when Jesus tells this parable, he first tells it, and then the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, um, basically, here's a brief summary of what they say, a paraphrase. They say, Jesus, you know, <laughs> you're a great teacher and all, but we don't understand what you are talking about when you tell these parables. You know, can't you just speak plainly to us? Uh, why do you speak to the people in parables? That's what they say. And so Jesus tells them, why he speaks in parables, right? And it's very, very interesting because I think most Christians, pastors and scholars and theologians and as well, have misunderstood the point of the parables, right? Uh, here is what Jesus answers to them. Now, you hear most people, most pastors and Christians and scholars and theologians and authors talk about parables, and usually what they say is, Jesus told stories, and so should we. Right, And so the idea in Christianity is that the reason Jesus told parables is to help explain his truths, to illustrate his ideas, to help people remember, because people remember stories, right? And stories connect with people better than just flat-out teaching, right? And Jesus told stories, right? Greatest teacher of ever in, in the history of the world. He told stories, and so therefore, so should we. Well, get this. The disciples, Jesus tells the parable, the four soils, the disciples have no clue what he's talking about, so they come and answer, ask him, uh, here, I'll just read Matthew 13, 10. And the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And also, you know, why to us? <laughs> Can't you just speak plainly? And here's what Jesus says. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And he goes on and explains a little bit more about that. And then he quotes from Isaiah. He says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Whoa. Do you get what Jesus is saying? The disciples say, why do you speak in parables? Jesus says, because I don't want some people to understand what I'm saying. (laughs) I want some people to be confused. I do not want them to perceive my words, to understand my words. Now, that's a shocking idea, and it is exactly the opposite of what many pastors say, right? 
But Jesus told stories to illustrate his truth, to, to make his, his points more clear. And Jesus um, no, I'm telling parables to hide the truth so that they are less likely to be understood, so that people don't understand, don't perceive what it is I'm saying. That is why Jesus spoke in parables. Now, why would Jesus do that? Well, there's multiple reasons why. One of them is that some people simply aren't ready to hear certain truths, and so Jesus had to hide certain truths from those who were not ready to hear them, while also sharing truths with people who are. And that's basically what he says there in verse 11. He says, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But I don't want other people to know these truths. Okay, And I'm not going to get into why Jesus wanted some people to know these truths and not others. There's a reason for that as well, and it's actually Jesus talks about it following this parable in Luke chapter 8. Basically, you are not ready to learn certain truths until and unless... You are living according to the truths you've already received. Jesus isn't going to give you more light until you live according to the light you've already received from him. Okay, so um, that might be one reason why uh, he spoke in parables, and in fact, that's what he says. But also, what was Jesus? Yeah, he was Messiah and Savior, but Jesus also came to make disciples. He was a disciple maker. And he wants us to make disciples too. That's the Great Commission, right? Uh, And and so how do you make disciples? Well, you make disciples by having dialogue with them, interacting with them, Q&A times, right? And when someone doesn't understand something in a discipleship relationship, you go to that person and say, hey, you said this, I don't understand it, can you explain it more? And now your relationship builds and grows and develops, the discipleship uh, grows and develops, and that's what Jesus wanted. So one of the reasons Jesus spoke in parables that were confusing is because he wanted those who were truly his disciples to come to him and say, Jesus, I don't understand what you're talking about. Can you please explain this to me? Okay, And that's exactly what, in, in that email from Joanna I read just a few minutes ago, that's what she did. It's what I've done many, 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 many times uh, throughout my life so far as a student of Scripture. And it's what you should do. It's what the disciples here in Matthew 13 and in Luke 8 do. They don't understand this parable that Jesus speaks, and so they go to him and say, Jesus, we don't understand. Please explain this to us. That's what Jesus wants you to do as well. That is the key, one of the key elements of discipleship. And so Jesus does. So he has this parable of the four soils. He tells it, then he explains why he speaks in parables, and then he turns around and explains the parable of the four soils to these disciples, and thankfully, therefore, to us. And notice, I mentioned it twice or three times already, there in verse 11, Matthew 13, 11, he talks about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. What is these parables about? This parable about, and in fact, all the parables, it is about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And again, when you study this phrase, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom, throughout the New Testament and elsewhere, it's not about going to heaven when you die. It's about living according to the rule and reign of God in your life now. And that's what this parable is about, and it lays the foundation, sets the tone for all the other parables in the Gospels. So you know this parable. Let me just briefly tell it to you. Jesus says, the, when he tells the parable, there's this uh, man. He, he's, he wants to sow seeds in his field, and so he goes out, 
and he starts casting seed around. And really, there's a bit of humor in this parable, just like there is with most of the parables of Jesus. Uh, this person, this man who's a sower of seeds, he's not very careful with his seeds. Seeds were very expensive, and you wanted to make sure you get the most yield out of your seeds that you can. Uh, this sower, though, he's basically blind because he's just throwing his seed all over the place, willy-nilly. He's not a careful sower of seeds, and that's the way God is. He's throwing his truths all over the place. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so there's a bit of humor here. The people who heard this would have shook and, you know, smiled and shaken their heads a little bit, rolled their eyes, say, what a crazy guy throwing his seeds all over. Anyway, he throws his seed, uh, this the seed um, on four different types of soil. One is this wayside it's like a path, a hard-beaten path that people walk on. And then uh, the second soil is this stony soil. There's a little bit of, of soil there, and the seed is able to take root initially, but then there's not enough, not, not enough soil for it to really grow, and so it is scorched by the sun. And then the third soil is this thorny soil. Uh, it, there's good soil there, and the seed springs up, but the, the thorns and thistles and briars, they, they are taking all the nutrients from the soil and blocking the sun. And so the seed cannot truly grow. And then, of course, there's the fourth soil, which is the good, rich, fertile soil. And here, the seed uh, yields a, a, a large crop, hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. And then Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So uh, that's the parable. Now, what does it mean? Well, thankfully, Jesus explains it to us. Okay, and again, there's lots of confusion on this, especially in light of the, the Luke text. In Luke, Jesus uses this word saved in reference to the, uh, it's the second soil. I'm sorry, the first soil. Luke 8, 12, he says, uh, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Okay. And that verse right there is what causes 98% of the confusion about this parable. Why? Uh, because we know that we receive eternal life by believing in Jesus for it. Okay. And, and Jesus mentions the word believe here. And then he also mentions this word saved. This is in the Luke, Luke uh, text. It's not in Matthew, but it is in the Luke one. And again, most Christians, when they read this word saved, they think going to heaven when you die, receiving eternal life, that sort of thing. But I've taught over and over and over on my website and this podcast. And of course, the word salvation will be an entry in my gospel dictionary course and books. Uh, the word saved, salvation, savior, even in the Bible has nothing whatsoever to do in Scripture with receiving eternal life, going to heaven when you die. I would say that if you could change one word in your mind to help you clear up most of the difficult passages in the Bible, it would be that word saved. If you can get it in your mind that the word saved, salvation, Savior, does not mean receive eternal life, go to heaven when you die, that sort of a thing. Uh, you are going to be vastly aided in your study of Scripture, and especially a lot of the difficult texts in the Bible. Okay? Uh, the word saved simply means delivered. So, salvation means deliverance. Savior means deliverer. Okay? And what you do is you look in the context to see what kind of deliverance is in view. And the context will show you something much different than what most people believe and teach. 
Okay, so that's the same thing to under, help us understand here. But but people see this, believe and be saved. Oh, this is about receiving eternal life, going to heaven when you die. But the context does not bear that out. This is not about that. This is about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the seed, Jesus says, is the word of God. Well, what's the word of God? Well, it's scripture, the teachings, the truths of scripture. And uh, the, the, so the, 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 the sower of seed is the one who preaches and teaches and proclaims the truths of scripture, the truths of the kingdom of God, how God rules and reigns in our hearts. And basically, uh, these truths help us learn to live this life the way God wants, the best way to live this life. That's what the, the truths of the kingdom, that's what the truths of the word of God give us. And Jesus says that when the truths of the word of God are proclaimed in a willy-nilly fashion, they're spread all over the place, in a very almost wasteful way sometimes, it seems, there are four basic responses, okay? And there is the first response where it's on the wayside, doesn't even have time to take root. The birds come and snatch it away before it even can sink into the ground and take root, okay? And Jesus says that's like the people of this world who uh, they don't even understand what they hear, okay? It says the devil comes and snatches away what is sown, so um, they, they don't even, they hear it, but they don't even understand it. And we know that. Uh, we see that whenever truth is taught or preached or proclaimed or written, there are some people who are just in one ear and out the other, okay? They, they don't even, they might hear the words, but they don't understand the truth of it or the importance of hearing it, okay? And that's very true of some people. The second soil then is the soil on the rocky uh, ground. And here... Uh, it does take root and even springs up. They receive it with joy. So here they hear it and they understand it. They grasp it like, wow, this is great. Okay. But then uh, it has no real root. And it, um, Jesus says, verse 20, they hear the word immediately, receive it with joy, yet it has no root in himself. Okay. So when tribulation and persecution arises, he stumbles. So the, these, the rocks of life are the persecution and trials and tribulations that come upon us in this life. And we've all experienced these. We all are, in various ways, experiencing them now. And the, Jesus is saying that this life often causes us to forget the joys of the truths of the kingdom of heaven, the joys of the truths of the word of God, and how they made us feel and what they made us do, and uh, the problems of this life strip that away from us. That's the second story. And we all know people who that, that have happened, that has happened to, and maybe we've experienced it ourselves uh, at various times in our life. The third soil then is the thorny soil. And this is where there's thorns and briars and briars and brambles. And we know weeds and things like that grow much faster than the, the plants we want to grow. And uh, Jesus says that these thorns and briars and thistles, these are the cares of life, all right? The things, uh, the pleasures, the deceitfulness of riches. So these aren't necessarily the bad things of life. These are, you know, the pleasurable things of life, the good things of life. And again, here, the, the seed initially takes root and grows, but then it can't grow very much because people get distracted by all the things in life that glitters and golds and draws them away siren call to, to take us away to, to other things that we think are more important. And uh, so that's this third soil. And again, 
we've probably seen some of this in our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of others. They are excited. They act on truths that they've heard, but then something draws them away. Not something bad necessarily, something good um, that God has given to us for our pleasure, for our enjoyment in this life, but it still, it takes us away from the truth of Scripture. And then uh, the fourth and final soil, of course, is the good soil. Rich, fertile, uh, well-watered, full of nutrients. And here the Word of God takes root and grows deep roots and grows up and produces a very bountiful harvest. And of course, this is the type of soil that we want to be and that Jesus wants us to be as well. All right? Uh, and, And that's the end of the parable and the explanation of it. Now, here's the truth. Here's the thing. Jesus is not talking about how to tell who has eternal life and who doesn't. Jesus is not giving us here, there's four types of people in life, and only one of them is saved. Only one of them has eternal life. No, quite to the contrary. Every single person can be one of these four soils. Okay, all believers. A believer can be a first soil type of person. Uh, a, A genuine Christian who has eternal life can be a first soil type of Christian. They hear truths of scripture and like, eh, and they move on. The the truth does not even take root in their heart or life. Um, A non-Christian can be a fourth soil type of person. There's lots of non-Christians who have heard the teachings of Jesus and thought, you know what? Those are really good teachings. Those, the values and principles and, and example that Jesus showed us, I want to follow those as well. And so they do. And though they're not a Christian, that they're not a believer in Jesus for eternal life, they still produce great effects for the kingdom of God. I think Gandhi is a great example of this. Because of the horrible Christians he experienced in his life, he never became a Christian, never believed in Jesus for eternal life, as far as we know, and yet he held Jesus up as one of the greatest examples of his type of living. And uh, so there, there's an example of, of a fourth Sohil type of non-believer. Very interesting. Now, I also think it's it's far too simplistic to say that each person is only one type of soil. I think probably it's better to say that every person has all four types of soil in their life at various places and in various ideas, okay? So I have some fourth soil areas in my life, and I also have some first, second, and third area of soil in my life. We're all, all of our lives are a field. And we all have all four types of soils in our life, right? So there's some areas of my life, some areas of your life that are just hard and rocky. And God throws the truth of Scripture onto that area of our life. And we don't even understand it. We don't consider it. We don't, we just, it it just disappears as quickly as it lands. Because the devil has a hold in our life there in that area. Who knows what it is? Hardness of heart, sin, it doesn't matter. But uh, we need to pray that God sends the Holy Spirit to till up those areas of our life so that it can receive the Word of God and, and grow. We all have areas of rocks in our life where we initially, wow, this is a great truth, but then a day or a week or a month later, we've completely forgotten and abandoned that truth simply because life is hard. And, um, you know, it's it's... It takes us away from the truth of, of the scripture that we learned. And then, of course, we all have thorns and thistles and briars in our life as well. Not necessarily bad things, but just things that distract us, 
take us away from the truths uh, of the kingdom of God, from the truths of Scripture. Okay, And the goal is for more and more of our life to become more and more filled with good soil, with the nutrients and the rich, deep soil that is receptive to the Word of God and to His kingdom. And that ultimately is the point here. Jesus is challenging us through this parable to say, which areas of your life are good, fertile soil? Good. I'm glad you have those. Now, which areas of your life are one of these other three soils? Take a good hard look. And what can you do to help turn those other areas of your life? The wayside soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil. What can you do to turn those into rich, fertile soil, which are receptive to the truths of the kingdom? And as you do that, the truths of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, starts to shine more and more in your life, right? Certain areas of your life are resurrected. Uh, There's a sunrise of light in your life because more and more truths of the kingdom of God are taking root and taking effect. So you see, this parable is an encouraging parable. It's not, uh, God is not, Jesus is not trying to put a guilt trip on us or start to make us feel bad about, well, maybe I don't really have eternal life because, you know, I am taken away by the cares and temptations and, and um, the pleasures and riches of this life, those distract me so, oh no, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not a Christian. No, <laughs> don't think that. It's exactly the opposite. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of those things, and that indicates the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, and that's a good thing. So listen to the Spirit's convicting power. Rejoice in what you are learning and discovering and studying Uh, and put those things into practice, because that is how the thorny soil, the rocky soil, and the wayside soil turns into rich, fertile soil. Okay, so that's a brief overview of the parable of the four soils in Matthew 13 and Luke 8. And again, I will be having, there's a study uh, of this online at my website, redeeminggod.com, already under Luke 8. Uh, Luke 8, 4 through 15. And I also have various studies of this at various places in my Gospel Dictionary online course. If you're part of my discipleship group, then uh, that Kingdom of God study, it's probably going to be a couple of weeks before it's put up because I haven't finished writing it yet, studying for it yet. Uh, But um, the, the lessons, by the way, on justice, and I can't remember the other one. Those should be up hopefully later today. My goal is to finish recording this podcast and then go record those lessons and, and get them up and online for you there if you're part of the discipleship group. So, hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. And I hope you like the new format, sort of these three sections. And um, if you want to contact me for me to maybe possibly answer your question in the podcast, just go to my website, redeeminggod.com, scroll to the very bottom and click on the link that says, click here to contact me. All right, and uh, maybe I will answer your question in a future podcast episode as well. Thank you, Joanna, for your email this week. And we'll see you all next week when we consider, I'm probably going to talk a little bit since next week is the inauguration, probably going to talk a little bit about what you and I can expect from a Biden-Harris presidency. Probably quickly going to become a Harris presidency. But uh, that will be one of the predictions I make next week. So join me then. 
And uh, that should be a fun introductory about current events as well. I haven't yet decided what passage we'll talk about, and I'm waiting for your email to come to me that I might answer on the podcast. All right, talk to you later. See you then.